the Ghost Goal Podcast. We've got another weekend of top flight Premier League matches coming up this weekend as Chelsea, in second place, head up to Manchester to face league leaders Manchester City. Meanwhile, Sunday morning, Tottenham will host Arsenal in the second edition of this season's North London Derby. And finally, Manchester United will renew their matchup with Aston Villa after beating Villa 1-0 in the FA Cup last Monday. I'm Alex, here with Javier. Welcome to episode 340 of the Ghost Goal Podcast. Plenty to preview this week. Javier, how are you doing, man? Doing pretty well, you know. A little bit excited, a little bit nervous about this uh, the Spurs match this weekend. We got uh, we got Liverpool coming up right now in the uh, Carabao Cup today, so I don't know what type of team we're going to put out for that, but obviously I think I, we should prioritize the Premier League. We're, we're recording at a kind of odd uh, time for us. Usually we're late evening uh, recording, but, you know, middle of the day today, and I... I Anticipate that uh, during our recording, the lineups for this Liverpool uh, Arsenal semi final and the Carabao Cup will be released. So you can probably, you know, base your uh, preview for the North London Derby this weekend somewhat off of uh, what you see uh, today, Thursday, in the Carabao Cup. Uh, but we'll, we'll get to that in a minute because the top two are going to be playing each other in the league this uh, this weekend. Manchester City and Chelsea will be the first game on Saturday, seven thirty a.m. Uh, Chelsea are fresh off uh, beating Tottenham 1-0 in the second leg of the Carabao Cup semi-final, uh, being the first team to qualify for the final. And uh, obviously, very different level of opponent. We'll, we'll get to Tottenham themselves in a little bit here. But what's important for Chelsea, I think, uh, when previewing this match, is that I think we've got a little bit of the, the confidence back. Obviously, we've mentioned that some of the players that were out during that, that dip in form in December are uh, starting to get back into the team as well. It looks like N'Golo Kante and Thiago Silva are going to be uh, available for the, the City match since they were out with COVID for about a week. I- I'm hesitant to predict Chelsea actually pulling off uh, a similar kind of result that we did up at the Etihad last season when we beat them with like a last-second goal from Marcus Alonso. But I don't think I, I don't think it's impossible. I, I just think I would not be too upset with a draw here. Do you think I'm kind of selling us short a little bit? You know, I mean, a little bit, just in the sense that, yeah, just in the sense that we had, you know, we should have beaten them, uh, you know, a week and a half ago, and it feels like Chelsea have got a little bit of their groove back, like you said. Feels like you got the confidence back, back to back clean sheets against Tottenham, and both teams pretty much played their full teams in both of those semifinals. Um, so, like, yeah, give or take, you know, Tottenham started Golini in goal or whatever, and. But mostly it was their first team, and same thing with Chelsea. I think you guys started Keppa, right? Or did you start Mendy? No, Mendy's away at the African Cup. Right, Mendy's away. So, so we've, yeah, we've you guys been started Keppa. Yeah, or Bettinelli, I think, maybe even played a game. I don't know. But I know that was your FA Cup game. But yeah, I, I think right now for Chelsea, you guys, I don't think you're in it for the title at all. I mean, ultimately, I think this game, like you said, you probably don't have the same type of result that you did last season. Manchester City have won 11 straight games. It feels like this is. If there's going to be someone to stop their push, I mean, it was going to be Arsenal last week, and then now it's going to be Chelsea. If you guys don't like at least draw them here, it feels like they're going to win another seven, eight games in a row and do that, you know, 18 game winning streak that gives them seems to be almost like customary for Manchester City now. So, I mean, City they have all their players. They don't really look like they have many like bad injuries out for this game. Chelsea's still a little bit up in the air in terms Stones of Stones and Foden. 
And then okay. obviously Mares is away with Algeria. Um, but yeah, that's again, that's not they can handle that. They've got plenty of uh, good enough players to continue right along uh, uh, without those three. I, I'm just I'm thinking that the two the two players that we are missing that are most pivotal or were most pivotal to Chelsea beating Manchester City those three straight games at the end of last season were our wingbacks Ben Chilwell and Reese James. They're obviously not available. Uh, I'm not sure whether you'll see. Aspilicueta, right wing back. That, that seems like the the, the move. Um, but Marcus Alonso will probably play at left wing back. And you know, and I mean Alonso. To be fair, to be fair to Alonso, he he assisted and was pretty good in that Liverpool the two two draw. You know, like to be fair to him, like I feel like I mean those were the, the your wing backs in that Liverpool game, and Alonso was pretty good in that game. And I, I think he's been pretty good so far. Like. He had that he had that really good run of form at the beginning of the season when Chilwell was out of the team, and then, you know, he kind of just got taken out of the team after one bad game, and Chilwell took the spot and never looked back. But it kind of feels like Alonso is getting back to that form a little bit um, that he was showing earlier in the season, and this is probably the most football he's played for Chelsea consistently since Antonio Conte was at the club. So Marcus Alonso, I wouldn't say is that big of like a detriment losing at fullback, especially in like five at the back. But yeah, playing Aspilicueta at right wing back isn't going to be ideal. But having said that, I feel like against a team like Manchester City, the biggest threat are like the speedy wingers to your to your fullbacks that are a little bit older, maybe a little bit slower. Players like Riyad Mahrez, I mean, Raheem Sterling's on pretty good form. Phil Foden, those two players, Mahrez and Sterling, or and Foden being out, I don't know. I, I mean, I still give you guys a little bit of a chance, especially because Kovacic is back, N'Golo's back, and right now those two seem like the best on-form midfielders in the league. I mean, I know Rodri's been really good I, for Man City this it was, season. It was the one, it was the one game against Liverpool. Yeah, but it's just like, I'm curious if you, if you guys have Kovacic and N'Golo, like, I think you guys could could have some joy in their midfield and and similar to what Thomas and and Jaka were able to do against City like I think Kovacic and and Ingolo would be able to do something similar and probably even, you know definitely better like not fuck up like Jaka did so I, I think the the midfield battle is going to be key for me if you guys have your full full starters in midfield you know I still see this being a very competitive game I, I kind of see a draw I do um especially because Chelsea kind of have rotated well for these last couple games, gotten Lukaku back into the lineup. Timo Werner's getting some get minutes. And also, <laughs> while we while we've played those two extra games in midweek, the last two weeks uh, for the Carabao Cup semi final with Tottenham, where that you would usually look at that and think, oh, City have had like a full week of rest. They played an FA Cup game last weekend, like Chelsea did. I think it was last Friday actually. So even an extra day of rest, and they they obviously rotated heavily for that game at Swindon. Uh, you you can easily look at that and think, oh, Manchester City are well rested, and you know the games at home they they should handle Chelsea. I actually look at it slightly different way because the the semi final with Tottenham it was so easy, the first leg especially that once we went up to it nil in the in the first leg it was more just it, it was more like a training match more damage anything. control yeah I mean you guys just at that point you right. knew you were gonna you you pretty much won it you just needed to not do and anything crazy the second game the second yeah. game just basically was Chelsea keeping possession like we usually do against Tottenham uh getting a goal off a set piece and then sort of riding it out from there so there wasn't too much energy being exerted in those two games that the players are going to be absolutely ruined going into this Manchester City game. And while I think most people outside of the club 
you know, us two included, we'll we'll look at that gap and think the titles the titles over. And I, I, I agree with that. I, I think Thomas Tuchel and the, the Chelsea players themselves, they have to be thinking we have to win this one to get ourselves back into the league title. Now Yeah, I mean hypothetically you, know, you win this, you become seven points behind them, you're not out of it. You know, um it's just this run of four draws in your last five games that has me worried for Chelsea in terms of like you know defensively you guys haven't really kept many clean sheets I know you got the clean sheet against Wolves and then these last two against Spurs kind of get me like okay maybe your defense is coming back on track but I I, I feel like the City Chelsea game is going to be low scoring you know there's going to be not that many chances like I said I think the battles are going to be it's going to be in midfield and I think a 1-1 draw suits Manchester City to be honest I don't think that they I mean obviously if they win it's like okay that's like 100% the title's done but even a draw they just maintain their 10 point gap on you guys and they they don't even need to win this game that's how much of a luxury they have but City are the best defense in the league they're the best offense in the league but I give Chelsea a chance here so I'm gonna, I'm going to say 1-1 I'm going to give you guys a little little hope here say so you guys uh, go to the you guys for some reason it seems like Pep hates playing against Chelsea and Chelsea's the one team them and Manchester United that they usually have well, I was trouble say, with them and them and Tottenham. Tottenham yeah, a lot of times. Tottenham just too, randomly, yeah. like, even when they're at their It's just like random worst. teams that give them a, a lot of trouble. I mean, not random. Good teams. But there's a few teams that seem to have, and I and I've, know for a fact, like Tuchel has had Pep's number in the past. So I'm sure that, that, that all of these things are factors and it's going to motivate the team just that little bit more to, to get up for this Manchester City game. So I'm going to say 1-1. Yeah, I don't hate that result. I, I'm going to show a bit more faith um, and say 2-1 Chelsea. Not necessarily thinking even if we get that result that we're right back in the the, the title, but uh, the a little bit of a lackadaisical attitude seems to have crept into this Manchester City team. Now they could they could absolutely you know rise to the challenge. You know it's it's a big, a very very big game with Chelsea, and they had a couple of scares against uh, Brentford and then uh, going down to the Emirates against you guys. So they certainly could raise their game, but. Uh, Chelsea, we're getting to desperation time now for for Chelsea in terms of them uh, making something of the of the league title. Uh, well, I was so about to say before I'll they say before Chelsea, they Lukaku, before they, yeah, Lukaku, Lukaku on the score sheet. Lukaku. We need a but big goal. They had a big game kind of against like Manchester City, quote unquote Lukaku. sketchy wins. They they put seventeen goals in the previous three games before that, past uh, Leicester, Newcastle, and and Leeds. So their goal scoring is still there right now, and and yeah. But again, I think Chelsea's defense is back. This is going to be a, a a fun one. I think a tactical match and, like I said, low scoring. So I could see you guys sneaking a win, just to keep things interesting. But and that would that would be nice for the for the Premier League plot this season. So I'll be I'll be rooting for you guys. Eh, not really. I'm gonna put, I'm gonna put my neck out there and just mention one final thing: losing Mendy for the African Cup of Nations. People will probably look at Kepa being in goal and think of the Kepa of old, who was making big mistakes and looked like he had no confidence, but. Under Thomas Tuchel, whenever Kepa has played and he's fit into our system, he looks a much more confident goalkeeper, I'll just say. Now, you know, City could still score a great goal from long distance. I still worry about long distance shots that Mendy seems to be better at keeping out. But having a $75 million backup is not the worst option. And I, I think yeah, he still has for, a lot of value. Uh, look for Cancelo and for De Bruyne Chelsea. to just be ripping shots from like 25 yards out constantly throughout the game. You know that Pep's yeah. probably telling them De Bruyne, that to De Bruyne do that. for yeah. sure. Right. 
All right, well, let's move on. I do want to mention a couple of games. Uh, Brighton versus Crystal Palace on Friday, uh, 3 p.m., which was technically before that City versus Chelsea game, but that's a derby of sorts. For some reason, that's been deemed a derby, and it's a pretty good matchup, you, you would say. Uh, so keep an eye out for that one on Friday. Uh, Burnley, Leicester, Saturday at 10 a.m. Uh, Newcastle, Watford, also at 10 a.m. on Saturday. And then Norwich, Everton, and Wolves, Southampton will make up the rest of that 10 a.m. time slot in the Premier League. We're still not sure whether games may still get postponed. Everton just had a, a game uh, with Leicester uh, in midweek this past week, postponed due to a, a, a COVID outbreak in Everton's camp. Uh, but the 12.30 p.m. game on Saturday that will finish us up in Premier League action for uh, Saturday will be Aston Villa versus Manchester United. Now, we just saw basically the two first teams uh, play in the FA Cup last Monday. Aston Villa played very, very well at uh, Old Trafford, but still uh, lost 1-0 due to an early Scott McTominay goal. Steven Gerrard was making the point that there was a three-and-a-half-minute VAR check in the second half of that FA Cup game that basically killed Villa's momentum, and I tend to agree with him that they were outplaying Manchester United. They were creating a bunch of chances, and they very well could have won that game. So Man United going to Villa, uh, especially with I think what you were about to mention, Javier, was the the Cristiano Ronaldo interview this week, slating a lot of the young players. It, there's a lot of there's a lot of distrust in the Manchester United camp at the moment. So I I would not be surprised if they lost this game. I tried to tell you, you shot me down. You said you didn't buy it. When I told you Cristiano Ronaldo was not, he was not going to be good for this Manchester United team. And it seems like, hold on, I know, it seems like... How is he not in the right here? No, no, I was about to say, I was about to say, no, no, I was about to say, it seems like he's trying to motivate his teammates and stuff like that. But at the same time, it's also like he's giving himself an out to leave at the end of the season because if he's like, oh, well, if we don't make Champions League and if we're not in the top three, like, that's my goals and, you know, what am I, I'm wasting my time here. He's He even said in the interview, like, I don't want to be on a, on a team that's fighting for fourth, fifth, or sixth place, you know, which is where United are at right now. You're not going to be in the top three, buddy. Sorry to break it to you, Cristiano. You know, you're not good enough to put your team in the top three with your 47 goals across all competitions. But he's not. He, he, he made such wrong. a cringe. Yeah, but he made such a cringe post on uh, on New Year's Day on his Instagram, being like, "I've scored forty seven goals across all competitions." You know, it's been a great personal year yeah, for me, but I'm fun. not happy with what's going on at Manchester United. It's like uh, what, like again, it was. It's the same thing with the Romelu thing. Where like, but what do you want? Why are to these say? players doing I'm this happy, right now? I'm happy we're not even in top four. No, at the but moment. you don't do that stuff mid season. Like what? Do you think that that's, well, that puts more to. pressure on his team? Don't you think? And on the manager and on like on everybody. The reason a player like Ronaldo has been brought in is to push them over the edge of you know Manchester United finished second last season, or you know it's to sell a, a, sell, sell a million shirts that, with Ronaldo's name on the back of them and I mean, you that, know, make that them a lot doesn't of money. Hurt doesn't yeah. hurt, but I was more focused in on the comments he was making about you know the, the young generation, and it's it's not just him. There's been managers. In different leagues all over the place, most uh, notably Jose Mourinho, the last when he was at Manchester United, he was making the same point. These young players now, if you call them out, and or not even call them out, if you critique them and try to educate them and and, and give them tips on how to improve, they they just don't want to listen to you. They, they they take it as some sort of slight against their own ability and their own standing in the game that one of the game's greatest ever players. Is telling them, and you know, Ronaldo didn't name anyone. He didn't call anyone out directly, but you know, you get a pretty good idea. There's players like 
Rashford, Greenwood, Sancho. Those are the young players at United that when Ronaldo signed, you and I were both thinking this is going to be a great learning experience for them. They're going to get to see how one of the greats trains and prepares. And, you know, we spend all this time uh, here in America, especially talking about how much of an influence like Kobe Bryant was on players in the NBA. And it took him leaving for him leaving us, you know, dying to for everyone to really start listening to that message of like work and preparation and thinking about what others are doing and then adding uh, adding onto that yourself to make sure you're always ahead of them. Ronaldo is, you know, right in the same ballpark as that. And for any young player of any position or any status in the game to turn down or not listen to his advice, he'd achieved everything you want you want as a young player by the age of 24. He'd won the Ballon d'Or, the Champions League, he'd won three Premier League titles. It was, you know, we were having the conversation about him and Messi when Ronaldo was 24 and Messi was like 21 or 22. To, to not listen to that, I, I just, I, I can't fully process it. So to kind of like slate Ronaldo for saying that, I don't understand because it's very clear, no matter who the manager is, it's the other players there that are the problem. To be fair to Ronaldo, he did say, like, give Ralph Ragnick more time. Like, he thinks right. the manager's got good ideas, that he's come in, and he's tried to change a lot since he came in, apparently in this last month. So I'm sure it's going to take time for those changes to be implemented. And I really don't think that it's going to happen in this season for United. You know, he still thinks, Ronaldo still thinks they can achieve great things this season and win things, but I just don't see it happening. And I think this Villa game's going to be a a good example of that, you know, I, I I, like you said, I think they were at Old Trafford. They almost got a result there. They're going to be pumped for this for this game at home in front of their fans to try to get some revenge for that FA Cup result. So I kind of fancy Villa getting something here, just with like all the all the like chaos and everything swirling around Manchester United right now. We have to mention what's going on at Villa. Oh yeah, you know, well there's things two going signings on at Villa since too. We, two since big we last signings. Recorded. Yeah. Uh, you know just. Uh, earlier today, they confirmed uh, Lucas Dinier from Everton, the uh, French left back, uh, was sold for I think twenty five million. I- I'm not like crazy about that signing, but he's certainly yeah, a better attacking sure option than, either, either. than Matt Target. And Matt Target is still a good left back, and I expect he's going to play a lot still because Dinier to me is a he- he's always injured. Like when when he plays and he's got a few games under his belt and gets into a rhythm, he's great. He's great at set pieces, left footed free kicks. Yeah, I mean he was but a big fantasy be asset injured. last season, last couple yeah. seasons to be honest. Yeah. But then the the big signing, of course, was Philippe Coutinho. He's on loan from uh, Barcelona, and they have something like a forty million option to buy uh, in the summer. So I'm anticipating that Coutinho, who's obviously the only reason he's going to a club like Aston Villa is because of his uh, previous link with Steven Gerrard when they both played together at Liverpool. There's obviously a link there that makes him think he can resurrect his career there. Well, it's interesting. Dean, they say the same thing. He said he came to Villa just because he wants to be coached by Gerrard. I mean, it seems that, that players seem to really be taking, especially like the results that Villa had as soon as he came in when they were so bad under Dean Smith and Gerrard seemingly immediately turned them around. I mean, it seems like Gerrard's a pretty good manager. In the short amount of time he's been managing, I mean, he, he had a pretty big job at Rangers. It's not a small job at all. And then Villa's obviously a bigger job, but I think he's done a good job these first couple of months. And these first two signings show show the ambition of, of the club. I mean, it shows that they want to keep pushing, that they want to be in that conversation for the European spots. And, you know, they don't ever want to be wallowing near the rele- relegation zone again. Um, and I think it's I, I think it, these are interesting signings. I you know me. I hate Coutinho. I've never thought he was a good player. 
even when he was on Liverpool. I thought it was a horrible signing that Barca were trying to make. And I mean, he's just been complete dog shit. Hasn't done anything for Barca in three years. So I'm not sure how a player who hasn't played much in three years at the highest level is going to come into the Premier League and just, you know, be able to hit the ground running again. I don't think he will. It might take some time, but yeah, it's still exciting for Villa to get these big names signing. So, but yeah, to, just to wrap this up for for Villa, I I, I oh, love the way Watkins I is playing right now. Oh, you yet. haven't had your word. Okay, sorry, sorry. Okay, well, for me, wrap it up. I think Ollie Watkins is playing awesome right now. Buendia seems to finally be finding his feet. Um, I'm going to say one one draw as well here. I think that Villa can 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 you know grind something out against this Manchester United team who seem to be better defensively, but just kind of at a loss of how to attack well right now under Ragnar's system. I don't think they have the players um, to transition well enough on offense. And then there there seems to be a very lost, like no connection between their defenders and their attackers right now. Like I said, the transition is just not there. The pressing, getting back into formation, all that those things, it's going to take time. And it's not going to happen day overnight. So I think United are going to have growing pains for you know a few more months still. At least, probably until the summer and next season. So what I'll say about Coutinho is that I don't necessarily disagree with you that the the Barcelona signing was a bad idea, and I, I kind of agree that also Liverpool the fee was insane. Right it was like one hundred twenty million. Like that right. was fucking was crazy. Obscene money, and it was never really going to work. I, I've never liked Coutinho as that like best player on a team that's trying to win the title. I, but that's obviously not what Villa need him for. Ever since Grealish is gone, it, it seemed to me like they've been crying out for a talisman. Crying out for a player that not only can just uh, win them games off of one or two moments of brilliance, but someone who's, you know, comfortable in that role. And I know uh, He hasn't Coutinho been that was, for years, man. He hasn't been that since like I know, 2018. Because he's been playing either at Barcelona where he's, you know, one of a million talismans and the, the biggest talisman of all was Lionel Messi. That was never going to work. Or he's been on Bayern Munich, where he actually had a better season than people remember, won the Champions League with them, and I think had like at least 10 goals in, in the season for them. So it's not, not as horrible as people like to make out. I just don't think he's the kind of player that is going to excel around, you know, a bunch of other players of equal talent to him and trying to like, like pick his spot or find his role with all these other great players. He needs to be the best player talent-wise and ability-wise on the team, taking all the set pieces, all the right-footed ones at least, because they went out and got Digne. And he's going to pick up the ball and create in the exact same spots that Jack Grealish did. And there's there's a familiarity to that uh, for those Aston Villa players that I think they'll be happy to see a player like Coutinho or with the profile of Coutinho. And another element I'd add to that is because this is only a loan, if he really cares about resurrecting his career, he's going to play his ass off for the next five months to make sure that that move gets made permanent. So I, I think it's a good signing for Villa for the level of ambition that they have, at, at least for now. Um, and if he's able to play well until the end of the season, $40 million, yeah, it might be a lot for his age, but I actually see that. Like, I, I don't... I don't see them getting a player of his ability at that cheap of a price many, many other places. So I, I think it will work out to a degree. They'll push back up into the top half of the table. And I, I kind of suspect like five to 10 goals the for Coutinho. The top half of the table is very congested. So yeah. I think it's yeah, still yeah, going to be a push Maybe teams that drop in there, and out. But, 
Yeah. You never know. Uh, but for this Manchester United Villa game, I'm going to say two one Aston Villa. I, I agree with you. I think they're 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 primed to uh, take down Man United. Did you give a prediction? Yeah, I said one one. One one. Okay. Uh, well, Sunday will start with Liverpool hosting Brentford at nine a.m. Looks like Liverpool are going with a pretty decent lineup against Arsenal in the Carabao Cup today. What do you so. mean a decent lineup? It's their full team right now. Well, you know, minus all the African Cup of Nation players right, that have left. Right, but we don't have our African Cup of Nations players either. Yeah, but come on, you can't argue that, you know. I mean, it's it's It's, it's a bigger impact Arsenal's... on Liverpool than it is on you. Yeah, That's, I was about to say, it's yes, pretty Parte's much Arsenal's player, full but... lineup too, but we, we have Smith-Rowe and Odegaard are out for this game. And Tomiyasu, I think we're just saving, we're saving all three of them for, for the time yeah, game. I'm just saying, uh, we'll see how this lineup does in this Carabao Cup game. I, I, I suspect that if they repeated the, the, these 11 players uh, that they play in the Carabao Cup, uh, but at home against Brentford in the league on Sunday, they'll probably get another get a big win. Uh, Brentford are struggling at the moment. They just lost yeah, they 4-1 really at Southampton in a rescheduled game. Yeah, so also at 9 a.m. on Sunday, West Ham will host Leeds. West Ham are coming off a 2-0 win over Norwich uh, themselves in midweek that pushed them back up into fourth place. So uh, they're going to want to keep that momentum going. And then Sunday, we'll uh, close out the weekend of Premier League fixtures with the North London Derby. Tottenham hosting Arsenal Sunday at 11.30 a.m. It's good to see that Jacques is back. You'll never hear me say that again, but uh, judging by your midfield situation at the moment, it's good that he's back. Now that he's back and recovered from COVID, what are your what are your feelings going into this uh, North London Derby? I need to see how they do in this Liverpool game, this uh, Jacques-Sambi midfield. I think it's it's gonna it's a great test for those two. If they do well, I think they'll start against Tottenham. Um, I think if they don't do well, we might try to see Ben White drop into midfield with next to Xhaka and then have holding play, which isn't well, ideal about, either. What about Odegaard instead of Sambi? Odegaard next to Xhaka in midfield? It's because I, 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 I remember that we played that earlier in the season, but it was next to Thomas, and I didn't like it. Um, but maybe if Odegaard, because Odegaard was in the Xhaka position, so now that we have Xhaka back, if Odegaard plays the Thomas, which is like the more box to box role, um, and then Xhaka's the one who like drops back in between the center backs and almost plays like an auxiliary left back while Tierney bombs forward. I want to see how Sambi does in the Thomas position because he hasn't gotten to play there so far this season. You know, it's only been it's been Thomas playing there, um, so we'll see how he does. But I mean, I'm I'm, I'm not wasn't that very good worried. in the FA Cup last week. Yeah, I'm not that worried. Surprisingly, because Tottenham's midfield really isn't that great. There's some crazy thing going on with Ndombele where he's fighting with Antonio Conte. He's apparently never going to play for Tottenham again. They have Skip and Skip and Hoiberg are and Hoiberg decent are midfield. decent, but like they're not going to blow away Xhaka. And Sambi, like I don't like I don't anticipate those two just being like they, they may not. They're hard working, but they can hold their own. They can hold their own, but that's why I'm not like scared. I'm not scared. Yeah, I'm not scared that we're gonna get it run over. Um, this is interesting that we're starting Lacazette in this Carabao Cup game at the ten position. It's the first time I've seen him start behind uh, in this new system that we have with Saka and Martinelli on the wings. So that'll be he's playing that position that Odegaard and Smith Rowe typically play. So again, there's a lot of stuff in flux right now. I need to see how this lineup does. You know, we didn't have a great performance against Forrest in the FA Cup this last weekend, so I'm a little bit you, hesitant. You guys had a dog shit performance against Forrest. Yeah, that was putting it nicely. That was putting it nicely. 
so I am a little bit nervous about this game. I mean, Spurs fans seem to be very confident, as they should. You know, they still are unbeaten with Antonio Conte in the league. Um, it's been, I think, I think this is now. Eight <laughs> I don't know. Games. I don't know if they're confident. Like the, the two games against Chelsea, I know they had like two penalties. But yeah, they drew one one with bullshit. Southampton and barely beat Watford. So that's been their last two Premier League results, and then they've right. lost that's, twice to that's Chelsea. That's why I'm saying I don't think they should be confident. They, they should be. A draw should suit them in this. I know they're behind you guys, but they have games in hand that they can make up and overtake you guys on. This North London derby, they just need to stop the rot that's been happening with these last two games against Chelsea. Even the FA Cup game against Morecambe over the weekend, they went down 1-0. Morecambe are League One side, and they were down 1-0 until I think like the 70th minute when Winks hit like a crazy free kick that was supposed to be a cross that went into the back of the net. And then they took it. They basically came back in the last 15 minutes to beat a league one side three, one. So it's looking a bit shaky in, in the sort of, yeah. And Antonio did come out in the press conference afterward, after the game being like, you know, this is not, you know, I'm having a meeting with Daniel Levy and all them to, to try to figure out what players we need to get rid of this January and all this and that. I, I think Tottenham are in flux right now. You know, they, they still have only scored 23 goals this season, which is pathetic. Um, you know, 23 goals in 18 games, barely a goal a game. So I think this 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 London derby is probably going to be really tight. Like I could see one one. I could even see like a nil nil because uh, neither like no uh, because I'm, I'm a little the bit scared. Nil for nil was in 2009. There's no okay, way. Maybe not a like, nil nil, Alex. It's going to be. But I can't. I don't. I mean, a Human Son apparently is also a doubt for this game. I don't know if he's actually going to play. He's been hurt. He's this out. Whole, he's out. He's for out. Like the next okay. two weeks. So no Son. Lucas Moore has been decent, but again, like I'm not Harry Kane. He'll probably get a goal, but I think, like you said, I think a draw would suit Arsenal too. I just don't want to lose away from home here. You know, like like I said, like we talked about a couple of weeks ago, we had this City home game and the Tottenham game. A point would be okay. We need bare minimum. We needed to get a point from these two games. So I'm not going to be ecstatic if we draw Tottenham, but I also, if we get a win here, I mean, it's like momentum keeps going, right? So. Don't know what to expect, but I'm gonna I'm gonna say we win it, Alex. Fuck Tottenham. I'm gonna say two one Arsenal. Just like just like with your took, Chelsea took prediction, right I, don't I don't necessarily I don't necessarily like to win two one as well. Who needs a midfield? I just I think also the way I was about to say also stylistically, I think that Arsenal right now are a little bit further along in in like you know in what their manager wants for how they want the team to play, and I think that they're better drilled than what Antonio Conte has right now. He he's he's patching things he's been patching things up at Tottenham, but he's gonna need a lot more work to get them to to the highest level where he wants them to be. So yeah, I'm gonna say two one Arsenal. Uh, this is this is one of the few times I think we're gonna do the double over them this season. You know, Tottenham did the double over us last year. It's there hasn't been a St. Totterings Day in like five or six years. We need it this year. We need it this year. And and the boys got got up so like they were so good. Uh, Smith Rowe, Odegaard Saka Martinelli didn't play in the last North London Derby, but they were they were amazing. I know it was at home, but I think they'll get up similarly for this game and be really really up for this game to to get a result at uh, at London Stadium. So I'm going to say two one Arsenal. Yeah, I'm right there with you with the two uh, one. I think you can work around some of the midfield issues because Tottenham will be sitting so deep. They ideally Antonio Conte wants to engage like a sort of midfield press, like starting from Tottenham's own half, they will press you from there. They're not going to press high up, 
try and force errors from the back line, getting the ball. Which is really where Arsenal makes most of their mistakes. Like when right. we we're passing out the back and like somebody makes a mistake, that's almost that's pretty much where we've been conceding our goals so far this season. So, like you said, I think I think just stylistically, this is a good matchup for Arsenal. And you know, I know Antonio Conte lost that three nil to. You know that game against Chelsea, where it flipped things around well, against Arsenal. So like over two legs, wasn't just yeah, one game. But uh, but I think typically Arsenal's had a decent time against Antonio. So I'm not uh not. Well, Wenger had a decent time against Antonio. That's fair. That's fair. Wenger's Unai, gone. <laughs> yeah, and Wenger's gone. But uh, but yeah, no, I'm 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 excited. A little bit nervous. Should be should be a good game though. And and Harry Kane, I mean, he looks. I think it's what three goals or four goals in his last four games. So he kind of looks like he's back. But Human Son's been their talisman. I mean, the dude's been absolutely on fire in December. He had like five goals. He has. He's their top scorer this season. He also has their top assists. Without him, he he always destroys Arsenal. Like, I'm not nearly as scared of them without. And Dumbele, yeah, who's really too. their midfield like attacking talent, and then Human Son. So without those two, like yeah, we're not going to have Tomas, and that's going to be a big miss. But at the same time, I think if there's a midfield that in of the top six that we can like, even like Declan Rice and Suchek would have a, I think we'd have a much harder time against that midfield than Hoiberg and Skip. So yeah, not not too uh, looking forward to it. Looking forward to it. Two one Arsenal. Okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm again. I'm right there with you. There will be a couple other games uh, early next week that I think have been rescheduled from December uh, that we won't get to until we record the next week. Um, just want to mention Burnley will host Watford Tuesday at two thirty. Uh, Brighton will host Chelsea Tuesday at three p.m. Uh, Leicester will host Tottenham Wednesday at two thirty p.m. And Brentford will host Manchester United Wednesday at three p.m. Uh, so keep an eye out for those. Not necessarily going to do a preview now. Uh, but they are obviously important games that... Uh, yeah, I was going to say, this Leicester-Tottenham game is probably the hardest of the three Tottenham games that they have rescheduled. So, you know, if they get a win in that game, even if they don't get the, the result against Arsenal, you know, they can still push their momentum to get into the top four. So they're not too far behind right now. We need to halt that momentum. Come on, boys. <laughs> yes, you do. Uh, I mean, it could end up being a really, really bad week for Tottenham. Uh, but uh, it might. I, I'm a little torn about it because well, it started with with Chelsea in the Carabao Cup. But if you guys beat them, and then if Leicester beat them, then Levy might finally listen to Antonio Conte and actually go out and get him the players he wants. Because <laughs> clearly, what's uh, what he's got at his disposal right now is is not is not cutting it. He's <laughs> so, eight games unbeaten in the league since he we're, started. We're playing so. with I mean, fire typical, here, Javier. Typical Antonio, though. Typical Antonio to. Not have the players, or but still grind out the results. Like you said, this man's a machine. So let's see how he does in these next few games. It's it's make or break time right now for this team. Maybe they're gonna break. All right. Well, let's wrap things up there, Javier. Thanks for uh, jumping it's on Tottenham. the record. They'll probably break. <laughs> you can follow Javier on social media uh, or on Twitter at JavierRev9. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at asmos92, and you can follow the podcast socials at Ghost Goal Pod. Keep an eye out. I uh, haven't talked to Javier about this yet, but uh, we may look into uh, doing one of the Instagram Live post-game reactions after either the Man City-Chelsea game or after the North London Derby on Sunday. So keep an eye out for those on uh, Instagram, and we'll post those on the account afterwards. Probably going to try and keep them to 15 to 20 minutes, but that will be our immediate reaction. And then, again, on the pod, we'll usually 
look ahead and preview the games coming up the following weekend. So again, thanks Javier for listening. Enjoy the games, everyone. And until next time, see ya.